She was this gun-toting, whiskey-drinking broad. The super epic fucking broad. She was a pioneer in the industry. She's also so famous and so controversial. So controversial. So she's kind of a big fucking deal. Her story is so incredible. She belongs on this podcast because she's a broad you should know. Hello and welcome to Broads You Should Know, the podcast about amazing and noteworthy women from history. I'm your host, Sarah Gorski, and today we are continuing our dive into a series on craziness, and specifically the women that have been widely recognized by historians and the general public as crazy. Hopefully you hear the quote marks I'm using around the C word. It's hard for me to even say that word anymore, by the way, because I feel like it's been so misapplied to so many women and men, but mostly women throughout history. Um, I, I find myself hard to even use that word in, in my everyday speech. But anyway, um, last week we took a look at the least liked First Lady of the United States, Mary Todd Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln's wife. And today... I'm bringing you a far less famous broad. Maybe you've never heard of her, but you probably have heard of her son, Charlie Chaplin. Charlie Chaplin is, he's like one of the greatest icons of Hollywood and the silver screen. His work was extremely popular and formative for the entire entertainment industry. Uh, And today we're talking about his mom. Hannah Chaplin. I hadn't heard of Hannah when she was suggested for the series. If you recall at the beginning of the series, I took a highly scientific Facebook poll from all my friends at the beginning of the fall, uh, and and people submitted names, and Hannah was one of them. Um, And so I hadn't heard much about her, or heard of her at all, really. And as with many broads that I researched on this podcast, I had no idea what to expect of her. Um, and to, and to be honest with you, I didn't even actually remember that much about Charlie Chaplin. Um, I'm really hoping that my theater history teacher isn't listening to this episode or else I'm going to be in some trouble. Um, so I had to do a quick refresh on him, uh, and I'll share it with you too, in case you need the refresh too. He was a British comedian uh, originally who hit it big at a very young age in the UK, Um, And this was like around the turn of the 19th century, so the end of the 1800s. And he ended up touring the United States, getting signed by a big agent and moving to Hollywood, where he rose to fame on the silver screen. And eventually, he produced, directed, and composed his own films and won many awards and had a long 75-year career. And he really kind of... uh, owned the hearts of the American people. He had this character called the Tramp, um, who was, he was like this dumpy looking, big pants, mustachioed character who people just fell in love with and ate him up from day one. Um, his, he also did have a lot of controversy in the second half of his life. I don't want to dig all into it. He's, he was a very complicated guy for sure. Um, and that is the super short version of his story. His Wikipedia entry is very long, um, so if you're curious, that's a starting place if you want to learn more about Charlie and refresh refresh those memories or learn something you've never learned about him. Um, but if you do go to Wikipedia, you will notice there are a few mentions, many mentions really, of Hannah, his mother. And mostly on his page, they talk about how she had a lot of money issues. She was a failed actress and how Charlie was put in the workhouses, which were 
uh, that's like another word for the British orphanages. And several times he was in workhouses, how she was committed to an asylum, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And as I finished my research on Hannah, before I refreshed myself on Charlie, I found most of the mentions of Hannah on the Charlie page sucked. Like there was like some accuracy to these events, but they severely lacked the context of the whole story. And I think like on, on Charlie's page, it kind of paints Charlie out to be this victim of a terrible childhood. And, and it didn't seem to me, based on my research of Hannah um, and some of Charlie's quotes, that, that that was necessarily the case. So I am really excited to get to tell you Hannah's story now because I feel like I'm going to do a better job than Charlie's Wikipedia page. Um, let's go. Harriet, oh no, Hannah Harriet Hill was born on August 6th 1865 in London. Her dad was a shoemaker and her mom was the daughter of a mercantile clerk. Um, Some research sources found it pertinent to mention that she was of gypsy stock. Um, It's a little outdated now, a little little grimacy. Um, Not much is known based on the sources I was reading about her childhood uh, until apparently at 16 years old, she runs away from home and she decides she wants to pursue her fortunes on stage as a, an actress and performer. And she takes on the stage name Lily Harley. Um, later on, Charlie would describe his mother and he would say she was, quote, dainty and beautiful with violet eyes and fair hair so long that she could sit on it. Divine looking, attractive and had compelling charm. She was also quite a good performer. On Charlie's page, it said she was a failed performer, but she actually, like the other sources I read, said that she was quite good. There were reviews of her performances which called her, quote, the refined and talented artist Lily Harley, who had been a, quote, most brilliant hit at Gaiety and Star, Glasgow, four and five turns every night and heaps of flowers. Four and five turns is like the number of rounds of bows, right? And people just kept bringing the flowers out. That's translation for people who aren't um, also stage actors. <laughs> um, she also, uh, Hannah was also a huge romantic and a dreamer. Her young adult life, as we're about to kind of find out, is packed with her falling in love. And very first, she falls in love with Charles Chaplin Sr., who was one of her co-stars in a comic opera. And apparently, uh, one of the sources said that he had a resemblance to Napoleon, the French emperor, and she was like mildly obsessed with the story of his wife, Josephine, who like rose up from rags to riches. We haven't covered her on this podcast, but at some point we're going to do Josephine. Um, So when Hannah met uh, Charles, she thinks he looks like Napoleon and she's like head over heels with him. I'm sure there were other reasons she also was head over heels, but I thought that was a funny anecdote. Um, And the two of them have this three-year love affair. Um, Affair seems wrong. Like they both were single. They weren't you know, cheating on anybody, but, um, and she's still a teenager though, by the way. So she, you know, she runs away at 16. She's still very young. And apparently three years into this thing with Charles, she falls in love with a new man called Sidney Hawks. And she decides to leave Charles and follow this new man, Sidney, back to his home in South Africa. However, Sidney Hawks is not a nice man. 
he's like the opposite of a nice man. He's a con man. And he had been posing as a rich aristocrat who owned vast colonial estates. So when he met Hannah, that was the pretense. But in actuality, he was a motherfucking pimp. And when they get to South Africa, he forces Hannah into prostitution. They were in a city called uh, Witwatersrand. Uh, I probably pronounced that wrong, which is home to a lot of gold mines. And the prostitution business is huge there because you have all these miners that are far away from their families and they have money in their pockets. Uh, And it was a cutthroat and dangerous place for Hannah and for everyone, I'm sure, that was there, but especially for Hannah. And at some point when she's there, Hannah contracts syphilis. This would become pretty much kind of a defining factor for the rest of her life. Uh, By 1884, Hannah had reached a breaking point with the whole situation in South Africa, and she manages to return home. My sources were not really clear how that happens, if she had saved the money or if she ran away or I don't really know. But she is able to get back to England and her old sweetheart, Charles Chaplin Sr. But she's not the same woman. And in fact, she is actually pregnant carrying Hawk's baby, Sydney Hawk's baby. Uh, of course, I wonder if that part's true, considering the whole like forced prostitution situation. I, how could they prove it was Hawk's baby? I don't even know. But the sources all seem to agree that the baby she was carrying was Sydney Hawk's. Um, Charlie Sr. still takes her back, though, and they resume their relationship, and they reunite on stage and are performing together again. Her son, Sydney, uh, is born the following year and then Charlie Sr. and Hannah get married in 1886 and then in 1889 they have a son together and they name him Charlie Chaplin. Uh, Charlie later would romanticize about his early childhood and how close and romantic his parents were. He loved the way that she dressed him in velvet, and he remembered really fondly how she would enact imaginary scenes from the life of one of her heroines, who was the 17th century mistress of Charles II, courtesan Nell Gwynn. I had not heard of her either. Maybe she's abroad I should look into. Um, But the truth of the time is that Hannah first starts reporting poor ill health around 1887. So even before Charlie is born, she is starting to not be quite well. And even though about two years prior, she had, uh, she was very popular with audiences and was doing really well with her career. um, At this point, her career begins to kind of stall out. But her hubby Charles seems to have a burgeoning career. He starts touring North America. So he's flat around. He's flat out not around for long periods of time. And he also was a very severe alcoholic. Um, not too long after this particular time period, he's going to end up dying of cirrhosis of the liver, um, the alcoholic's death. So likely that marriage was not quite as solid as, and sweet as Charlie remembered it. Um, it seems like Hannah more or less tried to kind of hide her increasingly ill health from her boys. One source said that she was, quote, remembered to have brought endless gaiety and pleasures to her children. She would bring them small treats, sing and dance her old musical numbers, and act out plays to them. Charlie attributed his own success as a pantomimist to his mother's gifts for mimicry and observation, end quote. 
Then, in the early 1890s, Hannah falls in love, yet again, this time with another famous actor, Leo Dryden, who's also a co-star of hers at the time. She has this co-star pattern going on. Um, And they move in together, and they have a son named Wheeler. But six months later, Dryden leaves her and takes the new baby with him. I, I am mystified at that situation. My sources didn't say anything more about it. Um, but I imagine that was um, probably some combination of like her increasingly ill health and maybe Dryden was just an asshole, but I, ca- I can't say for sure. I feel like that's an asshole move anyway. Um, so Hannah ends up moving in for a while with the, her two remaining boys with her sister, Kate, um, that's around 1892. Uh, Hannah apparently even wrote a few songs about Kate, which became like pretty popular hits locally. Um, but her health continues to go downhill. She begins having violent headaches. Apparently, she keeps pushing on. She she tries. She joins the vaudeville corps de ballet at London's Empire Theater. Um, Wikipedia said this was likely so that she could take it easy on her voice because I think her voice was suffering. Um, But then, on a night in 1894, Hannah is singing and performing at the canteen in Aldershot, and suddenly her voice goes out, and she is kind of laughed off stage by the cruel audience. And her son Charlie, Charlie Chaplin, who was five years old at this time, was savvy enough that he was able to go on stage in her place and sing her songs. It makes sense. Like, the kids no doubt spent a lot of time with her at the theaters. I'm sure she didn't pay a babysitter. Um, And so they were very exposed to the arts and the work she was doing. But this moment, apparently, is what first kicks off Charlie's love of performing. Five years old. Um, But at this point now, Hannah is unable to perform. Her health is is too poor and it's getting worse and worse and so she gives up performing and she takes up dressmaking which she can do at home because she is still trying to support her two children um but her headaches keep getting worse and worse they're now like blinding migraines accompanied by apparently very scary hallucinations and the headaches would sometimes last up to a month and they made it impossible at some point, to, to look after her kids any longer. And her kids are taken away to the orphanage. Charlie is seven uh, around that point when he's first taken to the orphanage. Um, and then her condition continues to get so bad that in June 1895, Hannah is admitted to the Lambeth Infirmary, and she spends a month there. Um, she's released, but then she's readmitted a few months later. And meanwhile, the kids are stuck in these dreary facilities. It was rough as hell for them. Um... On her eventual release, she lived with her sons in a cheap room in Kennington, and she kept doing her seamstress work the best she could. Apparently, she also had received a little bit of money from Charlie's dad uh, until he died then of cirrhosis of the liver, which I already said. Um, She is, though, two years later, she's readmitted to the hospital again. Uh, She continues to experience these serious signs of what is called tertiary syphilis, which is like when syphilis really has started to eat into her brain. Her, her condition gets so bad that when she's 35, she's admitted to the Cane Hill Asylum. 
And documents from her medical stay uh, in 1898 state that she was prone to violent psychotic episodes, which today that is very clearly a sign of nervous system damage from that syphilis. Um, in the meantime, uh, of, in the middle of all of this, rather, Sydney, her oldest son, had gone into the Navy for two years. I imagine that was at some point easier than all the other shit they were going through. Um, he gets back just in time to help out Charlie when Hannah was in the institution. Um, and then at this point, Charlie starts performing rather seriously, first in very small roles in plays and then bigger and bigger roles because he's very good and he's kind of recognized to be a natural. And so him and Sydney are both, at this point, they're making a little bit of money and they are able to help get Hannah released from the facility she's in. But apparently it was very short-lived because not long after that, she's found wandering around the streets and then is subsequently readmitted back to the facility. Um, and Charlie would later say, quote, there was nothing we could do but accept our poor mother's fate. Uh, it appears uh, in the research she's more or less kind of stuck in facilities from then, which is 1905, until 1921, when Charlie and Sydney's careers in the U.S. had taken off, and they had real money now, and uh, they are able to afford to buy Hannah a, quote, seaside house in Santa Monica, Wikipedia says that the house was in the San Fernando Valley. Um, I can't tell which sources have the right of it, but I like the seaside house option better for Hannah, so I'm sticking with that. Um, and they bring Hannah over, over the ocean, to live with them. And they hired trained caregivers to look after her and meet her everyday needs. And she lives maybe for the first time in her whole life in relative comfort for seven years. Comfort despite her her poor health, I mean. Um, it was also during this time period that Hannah is finally reunited with her other son, Wheeler, Wheeler Dryden, who you remember was taken away by his dad when he was just six months old. That whole mysterious situation. And the sources I was reading don't say much else about those seven years in Hollywood, as they said. Um, it just said that Hannah Chaplin would die on August 28th, 1928 and she remains buried at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery which is like really close to where I live and I go there every summer and next time I go there I'm gonna have to go find her graveside I had no idea that she was buried there um and that my friends is the very sad story of Hannah Chaplin her life was rough as hell but somehow she still created a kind of magic childhood for Charlie and his brother and encouraged him to grow into this performer and worldwide phenomenon that he'd become. Um, and even when her headaches kept her immobile, even when I'm sure she felt like she was going to die and was scared out of her mind, she still managed to do her best. And I'm kind of talking out my ass here, like none of my sources said that, but the part of me that's constantly reading between the lines of when I do my research says that if she hadn't shown them the utmost love in her darkest moments, both her sons would not have gone to the ex extensive and expensive lengths that they did to care for her towards the end of their life, end of her life. Um, she was definitely considered crazy because of the tertiary syphilis. It was eating away at her nervous system, including her brain, which is the biggest part of her nervous system. But it doesn't 
it doesn't seem to me after this research that she had her own agency when she was carted down to South Africa and pimped out. Nor do I feel like she had any funding to go to the fancy doctors and get diagnosed and treated for the syphilis that she caught there. She was just like in this really terrible situation where all she could do was to put on these like wee performances for her kiddos to keep them laughing and entertained. And those wee performances would become these building blocks of Charlie's career and subsequently his enormous impact on Hollywood and the entertainment industry. What a broad, right? I I can't help but wonder what her life would have been like if she just said no to fucking Sydney Hawks, no to South Africa. And it, even if she hadn't stayed with Charlie Sr., I feel like it would have been such a different outcome for her. But then maybe the world would never have had Charlie Chaplin. And I guess that is all I've got to say about Hannah Chaplin. May she rest in peace. To learn more about Hannah Chaplin, see her pictures and quotes from this episode, head on over to broadsyoushouldknow.com. While you're there, you can click on over to the About page and read more about me. My bio, photo, links to my cool stuff, and social is there. Speaking of social, are you following Broads You Should Know yet? We are on Facebook and Instagram at Broads You Should Know, and Twitter, yes, Twitter, at BYSK Podcast. To suggest a broad, fill out the form on our website or email us at broadsyoushouldknow at gmail.com. Are you a fan of this podcast? If so, then you should help spread the word about us by sharing your favorite episode with your friends and family or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That really, really helps new listeners to find us. Broads You Should Know is produced by me, Sarah Gorski, and edited by Chloe Skye with original music by Darren Callahan. Finally, if you were really drawn into the story about Hannah Chaplin, then I highly recommend you check out a few of our previous broads, especially from the series of Crazy Broads, including last week's Mary Todd Lincoln, Christine de Pizan, Joan of Arc, and Hildegard von Bingen. See you next week for another Broad You Should Know. <laughs>